Good morning. Welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Chris, and this is usually our discovery hour where we have classes for all ages and stages of life. But for now, we are live streaming. And so glad you are here and wherever you are watching and whenever you watch this, we want you to know that you're welcome. We are glad that you're here to learn with us. In fact, right now, we say it every week, this is a great time to like and share so that other people can get in on the good news of what God has for all people. So I encourage you to do that. And today is a very special Sunday in the life of our church. And why is that? Because today we have our very first in-person service taking place right now on location, 9.30 in the building. We are excited as a church, and we are thrilled that we are able to have two services. So we'll have a 9.30 service right now, and then we have an 11 o'clock service taking place due to social distancing today. And we're just thankful. Think about it. Twelve weeks ago, Twelve weeks ago, I preached the last in-person message for our church. And here we are three months later. Crazy, crazy times. But we're glad that we're beginning phase one of regathering. And listen, we realize not everyone is ready to regather. And so we appreciate the caution and the concern that you may have. We respect that. And for that reason, we'll continue to be streaming here at 9.30 this teaching, and we will live stream the entire service of the 11 o'clock in-person service. And so those are your options at this time, and we're excited about today. Well, there's another reason why today is special, and that's because we're landing the plane on our study of the gospel according to Isaiah. We've been through 15 lessons, 13 of those were all taught uh, to the back of a camera. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit has reached you through this technology. And I can honestly say, in this study of Isaiah 53, 54, and 55, I've really grown in my, my understanding and just the impact of God's greatness in God's grace. I hope it's impacted you as well. I know I'm a pretty good evangelist for the Joe's Kansas City Pizza because several of you have sent me photos of you buying that pizza from a few weeks ago when I talked about that. And so I know that's been effective, but hopefully you've been impacted by the greatness of the God, the Holy One of Israel. Now listen, 2020 has been crazy. We're, we're just now like halfway through the year. It's been crazy with the pandemic and then with the unjust death of George Floyd and, and just the, the, the legit uh, protests of that injustice and then others taking advantage of that, leading to really in some areas of our country, anarchy and just, just the whole situation that is unjust, it is wrong, and it stirs up hatred, it stirs up uh, righteous indignation, it stirs up anger, and there's just a lot for us to lament. And so I just want you to join me 
in a brief prayer of lament. There's a lot of losses that we have experienced in these three months. And we should take time, just a short time, to lament these. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we, we come before you knowing that you are high and lifted up on your throne as Isaiah saw you in Isaiah 6. So nothing escapes your gaze. And yet we know that you're near and dear and you hear the call of those who cry out to you as we've studied in Isaiah 55. And so we know, Lord, that you are moved by the injustice that you have seen. You are moved by the loss of life, the unjust taking of life, especially black African-Americans, males. Lord, we, we grieve and we lament when those that have been given authority use it in unlawful and deadly ways. We grieve also, Lord, many of your faithful and even godly uh, law enforcers who are then uh, maligned and even attacked in that process. Lord, we lament injustice wherever it is. And yet, Lord, as your people, we need to humbly confess that we haven't always listened to the injustices of others. We have not always learned from our black brothers and sisters. We have not always loved as we should love. And Lord, we lament that we haven't always lamented these injustices. And there are many of them, so many. Our world is a broken, hurt, wounded place. It is sin-cursed and full of death. And we lament this situation. And Lord, we recognize that we have not always been the people that you have called us to be. And so we confess that we have fallen short in these three months to always be the people of God that you have called us to be. And Lord, we long for the coming of your kingdom. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We long for the new creation your kingdom will usher in. Lord, we long for you, O God, to be here on earth with your Son and rule over all things with justice, with righteousness, with equity, and with love. Lord, we rejoice in you. We rest in you in the midst of this chaos. And we long for the coming of your kingdom. And so, Lord, we recommit right now, this morning, we recommit to rely on your grace to be the people that you have called us to be and that this world needs in this very moment. And we give all the praise and all the glory to your son. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you take time to learn to lament. Learn and listen and love. Well, that prayer of lament is really an introduction to the last two verses in Isaiah 
55. We've been in Isaiah 55, which I sum up as the great invitation to soul-saving satisfaction. And the whole chapter is motivating us to share the good news of this great invitation. And as we've moved through, you can see it on the chart here, as we've moved through this chapter, we've been invited to savor this feast that is too good to refuse. We have been assured that it will satisfy us. We have been called to summon the nations because this is a salvation and a satisfaction that God offers to all people, all languages, all ethnicities. And in the essence of this invitation is to seek the Lord while he may be found and to call on him while he is near to hear. And therefore, this is the word that we need to sow. And God has promised that when we sow his word, it will yield the fruit and the purpose that he has intended. And so that brings us to the last two verses of chapter 55, which is really an invitation to spread the joy. It's an invitation that is too awesome to miss. Let me say this by way of introduction, that the best invitations are really open doors to more awesome events. The best invitations are open doors to more awesome events. And if you don't believe me, then you can go to a website called awesomenessfest.com. Yes, there is an awesomeness fest. And here's what the website says. Welcome to Awesomeness Fest. Every year, 250 select entrepreneurs gather in paradise, in a paradise location, for a very special event. Awesomeness Fest is an experiential event that brings together people who are driven to change the world. Entrepreneurs, authors, technophiles, mavericks, artists, and visionaries alike. Doesn't that sound great? Here you receive powerful training, profound mind shifts, groundbreaking ideas, deep connections, incredible adventures, and unique opportunities to give back so that you can play an even bigger game and significantly expand your ability to accomplish bold things. The event is invite only and attracts amazing men and women from all across the planet. Now, that just draws you in, does it not? It does. In fact, this ongoing event promises far more than it can deliver. I mean, that sounds great, but we all know that it can't deliver on those promises. But it does promise what we all want deep down in our hearts. Think about it. A party in paradise with people from all over the planet that will help us fulfill our purpose and make a difference on this planet. That resonates with with every heart. Well, here's the good news. While Awesomeness Fest can't deliver on its promises, Isaiah 55 verses 12 and 15 invite us to an even more awesome event than Awesomeness Fest. Let's look at it. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me 
to Isaiah 55, and we're going to read verses 12 and 13. Isaiah 55, verses 12 and 13. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle or the the stinging nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Wow. Now listen, these verses are vitally connected to the previous verses, verses 10 and 11, about the powerful ability of God's Word to fulfill its purposes. We studied that last week. But last week we saw that the Word of God was connected to verses 8 and 9. The Word was a a vertical connection between God, who is high and lifted up, and us, who are down here, He's holy and we're sinful. But now the Word of God is being connected horizontally to what God has promised would happen and to the future fulfillment. That same sure, powerful Word guarantees what is promised in verses 12 and 13 will actually happen. So, what is more awesome than even the awesomeness fest? It's simply this. The coming of Christ's millennial kingdom that leads us into the new creation. The coming of Christ's millennial kingdom that will lead us into the new creation. That is the most awesome event in the universe, and I don't want you to miss out on it. And because I don't want you to miss out on it, we're going to answer two questions from this verse about this awesome event. And these are the two questions. The first one is, what will, what will it be like and when will it take place? What will it be like will pull you in and you will want to be a part of it. And when it will take place, we'll make sure that you don't miss out on this awesome event. Now, the typical invitation answers six questions. You know, when you get an invitation to a wedding, answers who, what, when, where, why, and how much. And this whole chapter has been this invitation. So several of those questions are already answered for us. We know who is invited. It's everyone. The nation of Israel in their hypocrisy, the Gentile nations in their hostility, they're all invited You're invited. Everyone is invited. We've also seen how much this event cost. We've seen in the beginning of chapter 55, it's free to us, but it's costly to God. For he sent his only begotten son, the the Lamb of God in Isaiah 53, to give his life, shed his blood, so that we could come for free to the most awesome event in the universe. And we know why this is awesome. We know from chapter 54, there's these radical reversals of new covenant blessings. We've studied that. And we know throughout that where this is going to take place, it's going to be a global, universal event. But what we want to focus on these two verses is 
What will it be like and when will it take place? So let's dive in with that first question. What will this most awesome event be like? What will it be like? Well, for a detailed description of the millennial kingdom, you want to read the rest of Isaiah. This is our last study in Isaiah, but read Isaiah 56 through 66. You'll see the millennial kingdom. You'll see the new creation. Then go to the end of the Bible and read the last four chapters of the book of Revelation. Revelation 19, 20, 21, and 22. Those are a full description. But here in verses 12 through 13, I'm going to give you seven awesome aspects of the most awesome event in the universe. So let's see the first one. The first awesome aspect is this, personal joy. Look at what it says in verse 12. Look in your Bibles. It says, for you will go out in joy. Now, the word go out is used throughout the Bible of the Exodus, found in the book of Exodus. Remember the, the nation of Israel, 400 years in bondage as slaves, and then God led them out. He led them out. Exodus means to go out. But here we have the ultimate Exodus. And listen, when you're a slave and you've been set free, there is joy. There is liberation. There is freedom. And the coming kingdom will be the ultimate ultimate Exodus where the Davidic king, The son of David, the sinless son of David, we know to be Jesus Christ, will liberate his people from all slavery and all bondage. Man, I'm telling you, it's going to be a party to end all parties. It is a time to celebrate being completely set free. Think about what's going on in our nation. Think about living on a planet where not only the penalty of sin, the guilt, Not only the power of sin, its bondage, but also the very presence of sin is eliminated. Oh, the joy to be able to live in a sin-free environment. Uh, The great expositor John MacArthur was asked what he looks forward to most about the future. And he put it very simply, no more sin, no more sin. Well, you can read more about the joy of this coming kingdom in Isaiah 12, Isaiah 35. But I want us to move on to the second awesome aspect, and it's this, total peace. We don't lead ourselves in out of joy, out of bondage. The Lord himself will lead us. The risen king will lead us into total peace. Notice It says, for you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Now, how are we going to be led forth in peace? It's going to be by following and submitting to and and loving and being set free by the Prince of Peace. In fact, Isaiah 9, 6 says this, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He, Jesus is our conqueror of peace. 
He is the one that makes the way for peace with God and peace with others. But we've also seen in Isaiah 53, 5, that there is a covenant of peace. The new covenant established in the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for our sins and made peace possible with God and with one another. And then Isaiah 54.10, right here in Isaiah 54.10, we've seen that the, there's not only this covenant of peace, actually I got that mixed up, the chastisement of our peace is in Isaiah 53 by his shed blood. And Isaiah 54 has the covenant of peace. So we have a conqueror who brings peace. We have the chastisement of our peace paid by his blood. And we have a covenant of peace established where God has promised to be at peace with us. Wow. In other words, what am I saying? All the pieces of the peace puzzle will finally fit together in the coming kingdom. No more enemies, no more hostility against God, God against us, hostility with one another, no more prejudice, no more animosity, no more hate, no more attacks, no more sin, no more Satan, no more death. Wow. So what is this being led forth? It's like a parade. It's like a victory parade. So if you're a NASCAR fan, you can think of the winner's circle. You know, you can think of victory lane where the, the victor is there and all the fans gather around him. Or if you're a basketball fan, you can think of center court after you win the final four. I know some of you are still lamenting the loss of March Madness. But for us who are Royals fans, think of the parade that we had gathered at the Liberty Memorial. Or think of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Well, okay, maybe not their parade is not so much a picture of this, but you get the idea. Celebrating, joy, led. But we've got someone here mightier than, than Patrick Mahomes. We've got someone greater than any of the Royals. We have someone better than sports athletes. We have the risen Lord Jesus Christ who will bring his kingdom. And that is the third awesome aspect of the most awesome event. It will be a royal kingdom. It will be a royal kingdom. It says, look, someone's going to lead us out of, out with joy and into peace. Who's that leader? Well, we already know from chapter 55, verse 4, it says, behold, I have made him the exalted son of David, a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. The one who will lead us out is none other than the sinless son of David, son of Abraham, son of Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, Jesus, the King of all kings. Jesus, the Lord of all lords. Now, when you think about this royal kingdom and his deliverance and the joy and the peace he's going to bring, I think of that awesome scene at the 
end of the movie, The Two Towers. J.R.R. Tolkien, The Two Towers. And the good guys are surrounded in helms deep, and yet Gandalf had warned them, look for me in the morning, look for me in the east, and oh, I just get chills, I wish I could play it here for you. And, and there he comes, and he's all white and glowing, and he dry, rides his white horse down the mountain, and he splits the enemy in half, and he saves the day. And there's orc blood spilled everywhere. Okay, maybe you're not into that, but listen, J.R.R. Tolkien did not come up with that himself. That is merely a type, a fable of the reality to come. Listen, there is coming a day when there will be a royal kingdom. His kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as there is in heaven. And we get to be a part of that most awesome event. Well, let me give you a fourth aspect, and it's this. Universal harmony. Universal harmony. So we've got... We've got uh, We've seen that, that when Christ comes, he not only brings joy and peace to his people, but it impacts all of creation. Look at verse 12. Look at the end of verse 12. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, regardless of how many people respond to this great invitation. There's one thing we know right here. All of creation will respond. Now, why is that? Why will all creation respond? Well, to know that, we've got to look at Romans 8. When we look at Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, in verses 19 through 21, tells us this. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. In other words, when Adam and Eve fell way back at the beginning of creation, they took creation down with them. But notice what Paul says, that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And that's what you've got going on here. Once the king sets his people free, once his feet land on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, then creation will be reverberate with the freedom. They will be set free from the curse and the mountains will shake the very mountains and and the earth will shake and sing for joy and the trees will be going back and forth and their branches will look like (coughs) excuse me like they're clapping their hands to the singing of the mountains now you say chris isn't this symbolic language you know isn't this just kind of symbolic talk of great joy Well, yes, I mean, we know trees don't have hands, and we know mountains don't sing, but mountains shake and rumble, and trees wave when when things are, are being shaken up. Listen, just read the book of Revelation to see how much nature and geography of the earth will be transformed. 
Yes, this is a word picture, but it is also a literal, physical reminder that all creation will be set free and the ground will shake and be transformed and the trees will be fruitful and more alive than ever. Now listen, think about your most beautiful nature moment and realize that was experienced in a sin-cursed world. Now imagine what nature will be like when the curse is lifted, when sin is removed, and all of creation becomes what the Creator always intended. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And that leads me to the fifth awesome aspect, and it's this, the reversal of the curse. The reason there'll be universal harmony is because of the reversal of the curse. Look at the rest of verse 13. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. Now, maybe you're not a botanist, but hopefully you know your Bible. And when you think of thorns and thistles, it should take us back to Genesis 3. Because here's the curse that God leveled on the creation because of Adam. Listen to Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat all the days of your life. And then he says this, Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Now what's going on? The curse is there. Well, what's going on here in Isaiah 55? The curse no more. How many dads are out there that love a great lawn without weeds? Yeah, well, guess what? In the new creation, no more weed be gone is needed. And I'm sorry, but Bill Duran, you're going to be out of business because there won't be weeds to kill. And thank God there won't be moles to kill. I've got a mole problem I'm dealing with. I can't wait for a time when the reversal of the curse will take place. You say, what will that look like? Well, here's what he's saying. Thorns and nettles and thistles, we understand. They're sticky, they hurt, and they're a pain. But what is myrtle and cypress? These are evergreens. So here's the idea. Death, ugliness, difficulty with creation, with work, all that's going to go away. And everything's going to be evergreen, refreshing, vibrant, vital. That's the idea. You say, Chris, what is that going to be like? We would never know if God didn't tell us. Listen to Revelation 22, verses 3 and 5. Revelation 22, 3. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. And then Revelation 21 verse 4 tells us more about 
the reversal of the curse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, no crying, no lamenting or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Wow. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. But what will be the purpose? What will be the purpose of all this? Well, that's the sixth awesome aspect, and it's this. It will all be a memorial to the Lord. Look at verse 13. And it will be a memorial to the Lord. If I would just paraphrase that, it's all for the fame of His name. A memorial is something that's built to remind us of a great event that we should remember and reflect upon or the heroic act of a person that should be honored. We here in Kansas City have the privilege of having one of the greatest memorials erected in all of America, and that is the one-of-a-kind Liberty Memorial. It is the only museum and memorial to World War One, the World War One Museum that is there. Why was it built? So that we would remember the sacrifices made, the lives lost, the heroics done to fight for our freedom, our liberty, our lives on a global scale. But here in Isaiah 55, 13, we don't have a memorial made of stone as impressive as it is. We have a living liberty memorial and that living liberty memorial is the new creation populated by people of the new covenant who have our new creations in the new creation and they have a new heart that is yielded to god listen here's the memorial here is the essence of the most awesome event god's presence ruling with God's people over God's place in a new heaven and a new earth, all brought about because of the kingdom of Christ having come on the earth. That is for the glory of the Lord. It's not about what we have to do. It's not about what we have done. We have come without money. We have come thirsty and hungry to the Lord. We have come humbly confessing we can't do it. But Jesus has done it for us. And he will do it at the most awesome event. That is just an amazing thing. And here's the best news of all. The seventh awesome aspect is this. Eternal fulfillment. Eternal fulfillment. Take a look at the end of verse 13. Here's how this great chapter ends. This memorial, this memorial to the Lord for the fame of His name is an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Now, I, listen, we know, we, we've seen the news. One of the gr great uh, arguments and issues right now in our country is memorials that have been erected and are now being torn down. 
And I'm not here to debate which side of the issue you're on or I'm on. That's not the point. Because I think we can all recognize that earthly statues will not last forever. And even the best of men were not sinless and were not perfectly righteous. But let me say this to you. The Lord Jesus Christ is sinless. The Lord Jesus Christ is righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ will reign on this earth with perfect justice, with perfect equity, with perfect righteousness, with holiness, love, compassion, forgiveness, all the things that we so desperately want and that we fail at and that the world needs. Jesus is that eternal king that we are looking for and his new creation and his coming kingdom is going to be an eternal sign that no one can tear down that will never be cut off because ultimately it doesn't depend on you and me it depends ultimately on the perfect righteousness and work of the lord jesus christ well there's more that we could see there but for now i just want you to reflect think about these seven awesome aspects you don't want to miss out on this but to but in order to not miss out you've got to respond to the invitation so let's move to the second question we see what the awesome event is like and it's going to be awesome but When is it going to take place? So let's look at that second question. When will this most awesome event take place? And here's what I want to tell you. It's going to happen in the past. It's happening now in the present. And it will ultimately happen in the future. Let's look at the first part of that. When will this take place? It has already partially taken place in the past. You say, why do you say that? Well, when Israel was led out of captivity in Babylon and back into the promised land. Because you got to realize, Isaiah is predicting that this hard-hearted nation of Israel are going to be taken into captivity. And yet he's also predicting that they will be led out with joy. You say, Chris, how, how, how do you know that? Well, Isaiah 48, verse 20 says this. Isaiah 48, verse 20. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans, declare with the sound of joyful shouting, proclaim this, send it out to the end of the earth, say this, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Listen, over a hundred years before it happened, Isaiah predicted that Israel would go into captivity and be led out of captivity with joy. But that's not what this passage is talking about. Why do you say that? Well, for three reasons. I can give you three reasons why, although this may refer to it, the joy, it kind of, it's a type, you could say, of the historical exodus out of Babylon. But think about this. In 538 B.C., when Judah was... uh, led out of captivity, three things did not occur. All creation was not yet rejoicing. They, creation was still groaning. Creation is groaning now 
Creation will groan until the universal exodus, the coming kingdom. Listen, the coming out of the Babylonian captivity was a cause for great joy for the remnant of Israel that was there, but it did not release creation. The second reason is the curse of Genesis 3 has not been reversed. Listen, the people of Judah, Judah did go out with great joy, but let me tell you, I still have weeds in my yard, and so do you. Why? Because the curse has not yet been lifted. And thirdly, even though the nation of Israel returned from captivity, physically they returned, but their hearts were still far from God. And the reality is this. They are still a scattered people. In fact, there's more Jewish people in the United States than actually in Israel. They haven't returned. They haven't been restored. And so even though there was joy in the return of, from Babylon, that isn't what is taking place here. But what is taking place is, number two, it is being fulfilled spiritually in the present Whenever the risen Christ leads, his, leads believers out of spiritual captivity and into his kingdom. You see, Christ did come over 2,000 years ago, just as Isaiah predicted. And yet his people rejected his invitation. In fact, they not only rejected his invitation, they crucified him along with the Gentile uh, Roman emperors and the Roman people. The world rebelled against him. But just as Isaiah 53 predicts, he, he died as a substitute for sinners. Just as Isaiah 53 predicted, he rose again from the dead and he was given all authority in heaven and earth. He was exalted to the right hand of the Father and there he sits and he reigns and he rules. And when you come to him, he will grant you new covenant blessings of the indwelling spirit. He will lead you out of spiritual bondage and he will release you from the power of your sins. He will cancel the debt of your guilt. And one day he will even remove the presence of sin from your life. You can be spiritually set free. You can begin to experience the awesomeness of the kingdom of God right here today. But creation still groans. Weeds are still growing. Sin and chaos, injustice still taking place. Third, this will be completely fulfilled in the future. This will be completely fulfilled in the future. When? On that day when Christ returns, his kingdom will come and his will will be done and he'll establish his kingdom for a thousand years on this planet, bringing under his rule every enemy and the last two enemies will be death and the devil. And when that happens at the end of a thousand years, the new creation will be ushered in and the trees will clap and the mountains will sing universal harmony, global peace, personal joy. All of these aspects will take place. And so now we live between the now and the not yet. Spiritually, you can be transferred into the kingdom of Christ. 
And yet one day, one day he will come and we will be caught up and we will be established on this earth in his kingdom, ruling with him, and the new creation will come. So I want to end with two dangers that I want you to avoid. Two dangers, because in this now and not yet, we've got to watch out for these two things. And here's the first danger. Don't miss out on this event by not RSVP. Listen, don't miss out by not responding to the invitation. Remember, this is an invitation too urgent to delay. The I don't want you, God doesn't want you to miss out on the most awesome event in all the universe. And the most tragic thing is God is inviting you today. Don't harden your heart. Don't delay another minute. Receive King Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord. He will forgive you of your sins, create in you a new heart for God, a new love for people, and your total life will become a new creation. But I know many of you have responded to that invitation, and here's the danger we want to watch out for. Don't mistake responding to the invitation with actually attending the event. Now, I've gotten a lot of invitations in my life, but I've never taken an invitation, looked at it, admired it, framed it, hung it on the wall and said, look, I've been invited. No, when you get an invitation to an awesome event, you begin to prepare for it. You begin to tell other people about it. You begin to anticipate how wonderful it's going to be. And you don't keep the news to yourself. And so let me encourage you to not get too settled into this world. And don't get too frustrated. Because we live in a fallen world. But the best is yet to come. It just makes me think of that old story, and it's been told many times, but it's a good one, about a lady, an older lady, who had been diagnosed with cancer, and she was told she only had three months to live. And so she was a believer in Jesus, and she called her pastor over, and she wanted to prepare for her funeral. And so she told the pastor, these are the songs I want sung. These are the scriptures I want read. This is the dress I want to be buried in. And they had it all planned and the pastor was about to go and the the old dear saint said, hold on one moment, pastor. There's one more thing I want you to do for me. And he said, what's that? And she said, I want you to bury me with a fork in my right hand. Well, the pastor was surprised thinking, what are you talking about? And she said, I know you're shocked, but here's why I want you to bury me with a fork in my right hand. In my life, I've been to a lot of church socials. And every dinner we've been to, they'll come and after we've eaten dinner, they begin to clear the plates. And people will clear the plates and they will always say, keep your fork. Keep your fork. And every time I heard that, this lady told her pastor, I knew that something better was happening was coming. Dessert was coming. Something of substance. Something that I needed to keep my fork for. And so she told this pastor, Pastor, I want to be buried with that fork in my hand so that when people come by and view my body, they'll say, what's with the fork 
and you will tell them the best is yet to come. And so, beloved, I tell you this, keep your fork, keep your faith, keep your love, keep your hope, because the best is yet to come. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and let's give thanks for the coming kingdom. Father, we come to you, and this is a wonderful, beautiful way to end this series. Lord, we thank you that the best is yet to come. That's not a fairy tale. It's not a a fictional story. It's a historical fact because your word has promised it. Your son has died and risen to fulfill it. And it's been partially fulfilled in a spiritual way with the risen King and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one day it will be completely fulfilled as literally in the future as it was at your first coming. And so, Lord, we long for that day when your kingdom comes, your will is done. We long for that day when the curse is no more and the new creation encompasses not only your people, but the entire planet, yes, even the entire universe. And I pray not one person will miss out on this that is listening today. I pray, Lord, that we will live like new creations, that we will not only talk of justice, but we will live justly, that we will not only talk about you loving all all people, but we will actually love all ethnic groups, all individuals, that we would be a neighbor to those in need around us. Father, may we be a preview of the coming kingdom, both as individuals and as LifeBridge Baptist Church. We pray these things in the wonderful name of our coming King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.